Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, we're entering a new season, a season for love. It's a brand new episode and we are talking about a better romantic future, says Francesca Hoagie or Dear Franny. Francesca is a coach, speaker, writer, podcaster. As a love coach, she teaches single people how to transcend their romantic challenges and find true love. As a life coach, she teaches rebels and seekers to truly love their lives. Francesca also teaches people about personal branding, community building, and marketing. Also welcome my funny friend, it's been too long, Khalees Hawkins. Khalees is a stand-up comedian and writer. She's been seen on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, Nick Mom's Night Out. She was a funny girl of Oxygen's Funny Girls. She has written for Comedy Central's At Midnight, Hood Adjacent with James Davis, HBO's That Damn Michael Che, and Hulu's Everything's Trash with Phoebe Robinson. It's a wonderful episode that I definitely recommend you share it with a friend. Are you single, trying to find love? You can hear us on Google Podcasts Now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Make sure you turn on the auto-download function for Friends Like Us on Apple Podcasts. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast, and Twitter is friendslikeus10. Become more than a friend? Leave us a tip or donation by going to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon backslash Friends Like Us. Special shout out to our Patreon friends. It's because of you we keep going. And now for our golden friends, you have the option to watch our recordings live backstage. That's every Monday. Go to Patreon backslash Friends Like Us and be golden. Merch is available. We have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, face masks, tank tops. They're all available. Just go to my website, marinefranklin.com. Weekly on my YouTube channel, I go live every Saturday with my friend Evelyn Frick and that wacky Dave Jeskow. We shout out fans who leave reviews and we have surprise guest friends from the podcast stop by. Sometimes we even offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows. With Friends Like Us, it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way tell a friend you know to check us out stay safe wash those dirty little hands you can wear a mask still if you want be nice and black lives matter i've got khalise hawkins she's a good best friend she's so funny and she's single now (laughs) i also have Dear Franny, it's a relationship episode, and we're going to talk to Dear Franny. Help us, please. Help our souls. Our <laughs> love souls. <laughs> wow. That was an amazing intro. <laughs> Thank you. Dear Franny. So, you know, I'm so happy you're back and I'm so, so happy that you like took time to come back. Cause I know you're very busy. I see everything you're doing. You've become very popular because there's also very few. I think like as far as like dating advice goes for black women, I don't know how many black women are in the forefront of doing this. And I just see you everywhere. And I, I recently saw you doing a TED talk. So do you want to talk about your TED talk? Because oh, that goodness. seemed like so great. That was pretty exciting. Thank you. You're so sweet. Yeah, I did a TED Talk this year. It's about my vision for a better romantic future for everyone, which is kind of my mission in my work. It's going to be released sometime this fall. Yeah, I'm excited for the world to see it and nervous, but also excited. 
you know, nervousness and excitement are two sides of the same coin. So. (laughs) So was this your first presentation where you had to like speak on your own or do you do this often? I don't normally do that type of speaking. Usually if I speak, it's more of like a fireside chat or a panel or I'm just speaking extemporaneously just because I talk about the same things over and over again. So I can just talk about dating and whatnot, but it was a TED talk. So it was, you know, I wrote it, it was scripted. It was, um, Ted had to sign off on it. You know, they actually- There's a Ted? I didn't know there was a Ted either. Not not a person. I mean, mean the organization. (laughs) Mr. Talk was there? (laughs) I'm so stupid. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm so literal. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, the organization. So, you know, you have, there's like a whole speech, there's a whole behind the scene things of like, there's a speaker team and you have a coach and they give you feedback and all of that. So yeah. So I had to memorize my talk and deliver it. And I did both of those things. So (laughs) good. That's great. Dear Franny. (laughs) You love saying Um, that. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Since the last time you were on You actually helped me out tremendously. I retained a lot. And as I was listening to re-listening to the episode while I was editing it, I was so stuck on dating apps that I was like, oh, my God, now I hear what she's saying. You don't have to be stuck on dating apps. You can also just go out into the world and just be open. Yes. And since then, (laughs) let me tell you, the writer's strike is a great place to meet a guy. It's, I call it the, not the picket line, but the pickup line. Yes. Yes. I'm sure you've seen the stories of the couples who met at the last writer's strike. Have you seen no, that? I have oh, not. Like, so at least here in LA, there's like these stories of couples who met at the last writer's strike and now they're picketing together and they're like, there's like, there's a whole bunch of them. So there's like, they were actually, there was a crew of people who were all couples who met the last writer's strike who were picketing this strike together. Yes, but I love it. And I'm so excited that you're inspired. And every time you leave the house, you have the potential to meet someone special. And yes, there are men everywhere. They are half the population. And look at you. You're on glowing. You having fun, aren't you, girl? I am. <laughs> it, is, it is because of you. Oh. I am so serious because it just really changed. I just opened my mind up to it because I, I was always just the dating apps just really I, you know, I did the silver singles. It just wasn't working for me. I and I, not, I still and don't I did, know why you went on that app. I'm so mad at you for being on Silver Singles. <laughs> like you were an 85-year-old in Duluth. Not that there's anything wrong with being 85 in Duluth, but that is not you. But anyway, please continue. Yeah, no, it just really just opened me up. And it also, the Silver Singles thing was really just a joke. And I think, Kalish, you can relate to me on this, with me on this, is that because we're comedians, we, we our mind is sort of like, I don't want to say warped, but it's more of like, we think in jokes all the time. So a lot of times I was like, as a joke, I'll go on silver singles, but it wasn't really helping me. Yeah. Yeah. And you were supposed to meet people like in your age bracket that are like older silver people. (laughs) I mean, I would love that, but I guess here's my problem. Which people in our age bracket are going to go to that app and meet and be like equally as like interesting I feel like it's a last ditch effort and I know you did it. So I got to get you out this ditch, but (laughs) I I just don't feel like any of these apps offer very like interesting people who aren't just trying to hook up. Well, the thing about, here's the thing about apps is that apps are 
we've given them way too much power. We've given them way too much power. We've given them way too much control. And we have collectively made dating synonymous with being on a dating app, okay? Dating existed before dating apps. And by the way, dating apps are about to, you think they're challenging now. What's coming with AI is going to make like, make the current dating apps, it's going to make them very useless very quickly. This is my prediction anyway, right? So, um, but as soon as you start to equate your romantic possibility with what's on a dating app, you're now giving the dating app power of your love life. You're saying you are in charge of my love life, right? And you are in charge of your love life. So dating apps are a tool and the people on dating apps, and you know, they're not all real people, but the ones that are, <laughs> are the same people who are out in the world. So it's not like a different, you know, category, a class, a person. It's just that um, the dating apps are not very conducive to us making really meaningful connections. They're really conducive to getting you to just swipe and to stay on the app as long as possible. Really? Um, you know. Well, I mean, this is this is one of the fundamental challenges is that the dating apps are businesses. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. So if every single person on a dating app found love tomorrow, <laughs> that would be a big problem, <laughs> right? <laughs> you should have to have, okay, maybe we make a dating app where you have to like pay monthly because you found someone. <laughs> like, oh, okay, now you owe us $10 a month. You happy, right? You know, <laughs> that's actually, you know, you laugh, but that's actually matchmakers. They're, that's a common clause in a matchmaking contract, which is that if you successfully match your client with somebody that they get engaged to, you get a bonus, you get a success bonus on top of what they already paid you. So, um, <laughs> so you laugh, but no, but that, but we really do need to start to rethink how we do dating apps. But anyway, but the, the, the other point that I want to make is that dating apps, they do not, so they do not want or need everyone to be successful. Okay. So if you're on an app for 10 years, just swiping, swiping, and then you, you know, delete it, or you just ignore it for a couple months and then you come back and you swipe, swipe, and then you ignore it and you come back and you, they're fine with that. Great. Great, you're going to be there forever. <laughs> right? Oh. That is the behavior of somebody who is going to be in that situation for a long time. That's the behavior of a mom when you come home for Thanksgiving. They're like, great, you're alone again. Keep coming on back. <laughs> Very toxic relationship with this dating yeah, app. So we're like their food of narcissism. So it's, so it's just important to, first of all, not only be dependent on dating apps, right? So, like Marina was saying, you know, I, as I'm always saying, I really want everyone to have the ability to go and meet people out in the world, independent of a dating app, and then use a dating app as a tool, but use it effectively, which most people don't. So most people are really wasting their time on dating apps. Not that they, who are looking for something serious, that is, not that they can't find partners on dating apps because you can. It's just that the way that they're using them is unlikely to be effective because they're not using them in a way that's conducive to that. They're just using them in the way that the technology kind of encourages them to, which is to treat it like a game and a catalog. And you're just swiping, swiping, swiping. And if there's something you don't like, you just keep going. Like that's, that's the behavior that dating apps want you to have because then you'll stay on them forever. I don't stay on them forever. I got off that silver single so fast. And then I, because I also had someone who was wanted to meet me right away. I think we talked about the last time. And I knew that was like, no, this is like someone who's soliciting or they're trying to get my email address. And they think I'm like, 
and they look cute. But I was like, this is too fat. They wanted to meet really fast. And that's when I knew, okay, no, no, this is mm-hmm. this is something else. They're trying to get some something from me. Well, but actually, I, really quick, though, on that, Marina, mm-hmm. only because I say this just because romance scams are the number one scam in America. And there are a lot of people who do scam people out of a lot of money on on dating apps. But typically, they don't ever want to meet in person. Hmm. But what if they were just saying, well, were they like planning a, a meeting place where they... He wanted to go off the app. That's, that's oh, a scam. okay. Yeah. yeah. So they do. They, yeah. That's, that's the red. Yeah. So if they try to take you off the app immediately, that's a bad sign. Yes, an alley. absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. If it, but, but they never want to actually meet in person because that's not what they're, they're not real people. They're, there's somebody sitting in a. India. In, like in, <laughs> a factory of scammers. India. In, in India. <laughs> it was like, you know. Now I do want to tell you some positive stories. So upfront about why you helped me because so I went on I've gone on three dates it's really oh my god that's awesome one I, one I didn't know I was on but it's okay <laughs> I, that happens a lot to me where I'm like I, I even found out recently I was on a date years ago that I didn't realize I was on oh my god and that happens to me where I'm just like oh that was a date there are people who are uh, like um, they're talking about their ex-girlfriend Marina <laughs> She's like, <laughs> I found out this weekend they were like, it was a comic who like, and the guy was like, oh, he has such a crush on you. He says that time he went to the restaurant. I go, I thought he just wanted to eat Ethiopian food. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't know. So, um, but I will say on that picket line, this is the thing where Francesca, you helped me so much because I thought about you. So we were doing like the Black Riders and we were on the rooftop for the WGA. And there was a guy that I just right away was attracted to. And I just liked his energy. And I was like, I asked a friend, I go, who is that? That was you speaking to me going, get out there and find out who he is. And I and then I said to my friend, I said, um, to Joyelle, actually, I could say that Joyelle Johnson. I said, "Who is that?" And she was like, "Girl, you want me to introduce you?" I said, "Well, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I go, just tell me who he is." And she says, "Well, I was like, she's like, he is oh. recently divorced." I was like, "Ooh." I go, "How final is it?" She goes, "Well, it's final, final, but she goes, and he's fifty-seven, I think." And she goes, "And I know he's like, I could hook it up." Do you want me to hook it? She right away, she goes, I can hook that up. You want me to hook it up? Because you deserve to be loved, girl. And I said, you're right. I do deserve to be loved. I do. She goes, what? and you deserve to get laid. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, you see. <laughs> I was like, I, well, it, yeah, it has been a while, but like, we, we'll, we'll talk about that. But the, I, I said, she goes, so she's like, I'm going to hook it up. It's, she's like, I will talk to him afterwards. And I will say that you, and I was so she did the whole thing. Like after that, she called him. She said, it's a deal. She texts me. She's like, I'm going to give him your number. You And I was like, oh my God, I'm actually doing this. And I'm, it's, this is a good friend. Yeah. And it was also because I'm open to it. You know, like I noticed like how I was more open than I have been in the past. Like in the past, I think I was just so like depleted about dating that I wasn't even l- looking up. Like literally looking up and seeing what's around me. And that's what it was, is I just looked up, saw him. I was open to it. It happened. We did go on the date. Now I will say the date was fun. I said, I remember you saying do something simple, like dinner is too much. 
So I said, let's just have coffee or tea. And he agreed to that. We met. But he said, hey, there's an ice cream place around around the corner. And I was like, I didn't even know that. And we went there and that was fun. But I will say I was listening a lot. And he and I had done some research before. So I did know a little bit of his past. So he did talk about her a lot. And I knew right away he's not ready. Now, he very mature. He's a man. Oh, my God. He was like really hot. Like I. I really liked him, but I could see, and we walked and we talked and we, but I could see it was really about him. And then afterwards he says to me, I got to be honest with you. I'm just emotionally, I'm not ready. And I said, I didn't think you were either. That's really amazing that he was aware of that. So, yeah. So then he said that. And then I said, yeah, I think, I thought that was very mature. And I think that is a very honest thing that a, And for the first time, I would say I received it and heard it loud and clear, which is in the past, I would have heard it and gone, it doesn't matter. I could change this. Instead, I said, no, men are very simple in the way that they say what they mean. Listen to it. And he said, but I do want to hang out. And I go, well, does you want to go on a second day? He goes, yeah, but you didn't ask me. And I was like, I go, well, do you want to go on the second day now? I said that we said we were going a second date, but after I thought about it, I was on a fortnight playing with my friend Mateo <laughs> and he goes, Marina, what did he ask about you though? Oh, good question. It was such a good question. Cause I realized I had to think about it and I go, now we did talk about me in response to his story, but it was more of like him. So I said, Oh, you're right. He did not ask me a lot of questions. And I decided right then and there, he's not ready. I'm not going on the second date. Wrote him a text. I said, hey, I had a really good time, but I'm going to pass on that second date. And I felt you think powerful. Yeah, that's amazing. So that's Francesca, amazing. dear Franny, what do you say about that story? I love it. I love everything about it. I love the, you know what I love? I love that you, well, I love that you listened, but the reason that you were able to listen and to be present and to actually pay attention, like you're like, oh, this, you're like, this is about him. This is more about him than it is about me, right? You were able to not take it personally. Yes. Because usually in those situations, we take it so personally. It's like, it becomes a story about you and somehow- you know, whether, and it could be either way, whether it's an insecurity of, you know, is he, is he not like me or am I not this enough or am I not that enough? Or it could be anger of like, oh, this guy is such an asshole and he's so self-centered. And you're just like, this is just where you are, <laughs> right? Like you could just see it and just know like, you're not ready for what I'm ready for. I'm not mad about it. I'm still glad to meet you. Like, I love that you met him. Shout out to Joelle for hooking you up. Like people need to look out for their friends more. And people don't. So I love that she did that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one. That's actually years ago before I ever was in this industry. Because 10 years ago, I went to matchmaking school. I became a matchmaker. But before then, I remember seeing a matchmaker on the Today Show. And it just, just stuck with me. She said that if people looked out for their friends, I wouldn't have a job. And that just really stuck with me. And I was like, oh, man, that's so true. So because I was always that friend who would be hooking up my friends. So but... A lot of people, nobody's ever, ever hooked me up with anybody, 
Like I had to do it myself. <laughs> this was the first time I I thought about that right away. Khalees, have you had anyone do that for you? Not once. So I got you, girl. So yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look, we're, we're starting a movement, right? Because like, like Marina, now you had somebody do it for you. And so now you can do it for somebody else. And Khalees, you can be inspired and you can do it. You know, like, it's like, it's just a nice virtuous cycle that you begin when you just start being like, oh yeah, we're all in this together. Why wouldn't I just, if I can be a conduit to facilitate a connection, why wouldn't I do that? That doesn't cost me anything. If anything, it gives you good karma. (laughs) So, So I love your story. I love that you had the perspective. I thought, I love that you had the realization. Yeah, he didn't ask me any questions about me. Yeah, you know what? I know where this is gonna go, right? I know where this is gonna go. And the fact that you loved yourself enough to just say no when you when you so easily could have said yes because you could have talked yourself, well, he's so sexy and we had a good time. It'll be fun and it's summertime and then da 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 da, you know. And then that's how you wind up in drama and you're like, damn it, he told me on the first date. I knew it and I didn't listen, right? So I'm super proud of you. That's amazing. Thank you. I saw myself with that moment of you, he told you on the first day who he was, which was a mature thing of. For him to do. He gave you that option. I mean, and he did say this to me. He said, when we were walking by my apartment, he says, oh, you're up there? He goes, can I go upstairs? I go, my apartment's not emotionally ready. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Good. No, no, no. So I know what that is. But see, also, this is another thing, because um, obviously, you know, the divorce, and that's all too fresh for him. But in general, I do like, it's one thing if you're 30, but once you are, you're over 40, I really like a divorced man because you because if he's somebody who's been through a relationship, he's been through the pain of a divorce, because divorces are terrible, and he still wants love and his heart is still open. And he actually knows like, oh, relationships are something that take work and effort. I think that's great. Versus somebody who's never been in a long-term relationship. And so it's all this kind of fantasy of, oh, if you just meet the right person, it'll all magically work out, which is not how it actually works. You got to actually put in effort to co-create that relationship. And people who've had long-term relationships understand that in a way that people who haven't had, don't, just can't understand that, right? And it's nothing against people who haven't been in long-term relationships. But I do think that as you mature, like, I mean, if I were, um, how old am I? I can't remember. <laughs> you know, my birthday is coming up in November, so I'm already starting to think about my birthday. And I'm like, wait, am I 49 yet? No, I'm 48, soon to be 49. And um, and if I was single, I would so like, if a guy was divorced, that would like make me interested in him. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, he's divorced. Yeah, that's right. I'm like, okay, that's that tells me something. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought... You know, initially I was about to say no, because I I do know there's a time when they divorce men can be sort of like not ready. But I said, Look, give it a chance. You haven't gone on a date. Just have fun. Don't put too much into it. And this will be like your first date. This is like, I remember telling him, I said, I haven't been on a date in years, like six years. He'd stop. He goes, whoa. <laughs> I go, well, this is my trial. I'm. Thank you. <laughs> So, Khalees, I got it. But, you know, I was ready. So I want to ask yes. you, Khalees, do you, are you ready for dating, getting out there? Well, I don't know because I haven't even been like talking to anybody. 
Um, so I, uh, I'm not sure, I guess it would have to be the right person. If like dating would have to start off with the right date, you know what I mean? Like how you felt about this guy. Like you were willing to even start with this guy, whether or not it was the guy who you were going to be in a relationship. He cracked it open. Right. I don't have that yet. Really? Yes. Are you getting out there in ways like, are you on the picket line? I was doing the picket line pretty heavily when it first started and I petered out because of the summer, because of my kid. Um, she's been needing me a lot for different things like her part-time job and she went to a lot of doctor's appointments. So that's another thing. I have a kid. So, you know, I, I love that I have a kid when I meet a guy actually, cause you go, well, I have a kid and it rules out the bullshit real quick. And it, I don't mean like guys who don't want a woman with a kid. I mean, a guy who is like a decent fucking heart. Like, what do you mean I have a kid and you're not interested? I did this all by myself up until now. What makes you think I need you? You know what I mean? I've only got two more years anyway with her and then I'm cutting her off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Khalees, let me ask you, if you were to go somewhere and you were to see somebody who you were attracted to or you did think looked interesting or intriguing, what, if anything, would you do? Well, see, that's, you're you're putting a lot of, uh, (laughs) you're putting a lot of, magic in my hands. I've, this has happened. And I don't know if this happened recently, but let's, let me, let me let you know me a little bit better. If I see somebody who's attractive and interesting and charming and I'm attracted and I'm, and I, and I'm drawn to them and I talk to them pretty much five minutes in, they go, not you (laughs) to me. (laughs) Like there is no, I don't get the choice to date a guy. I'm a very specific personality, you know? And I look a lot, usually I look younger than I am today. I'm pretty, uh, pretty, uh, on par (laughs) my looks kind of match me. But so I'll get like a creepier older man who thinks I'm younger and can manipulate me. Then they meet me and they go, oh shit. And then I, or I'll get like a attractive guy who's charming and they meet me and they're just like, nah, I don't really like all that. I, I, I'm a lot. I don't think that anybody wants me, to be honest. Pictures on paper, sure. In person, in a conversation, not bloody likely. <laughs> <laughs> not bloody likely. <laughs> Well, do you think, do you think that, um, well, you clearly have friends, right? You have friends. So people like you. Yes. Friends like us. Yes. (laughs) Right. I'm a new friend. I like you. Right. (laughs) So. And I've known you and I like you. Right. So. I've been there for all of it. I I will just say this as someone, and I'm not trying to like psychoanalyze you. We don't need to like, you know, (laughs) I will just say I'm somebody who, um, I, I grew up thinking that boys didn't like me because I didn't in the (laughs) eighties. Um, and I had this experience when I was very young where it wasn't even, it was so minor, but basically I just called this boy, this cute boy at school. And I called him on the phone and he was like, no offense, but I don't want to talk to you. And that just created the story in my head that like, oh, wow, boys really don't Ouch. like me. Um, I'm cr- I was crazy to do that. And I can, I'll never put myself in that position again, right? And I was like nine years old and I decided. Mm. <laughs> and that became your narrative. And that became forward. my narrative for a really long time. And I literally found myself in my 20s as a, as a lawyer because that was my previous career. I'm like working at a law firm. I look like a grown up, but I feel like this nine year old who's like, boys don't like me, <laughs> right? I can't date. I don't date. And finally, I just got to a place where I started to ask myself, well, there are plenty of people who are 
less attractive and have worse personalities than I do. And they seem to be able to find relationships. So if (laughs) it's not about me just being inherently unlikable, like what else might be going on here? Because clearly every boy doesn't like me because I had a whole laundry list because that was the other thing. I was only attracted to the guys who didn't like me. Right. <laughs> like this is this is how it works. So I had so I had a list. I was like, there was this boy and there's this one and this one. And I spent this many years loving this one. And he didn't give me the time of day. I had the whole laundry list. But I was like, OK, well, they don't like me, but they're not everyone. Do I really believe that there's no one in this planet who would like me? And just asking myself that question, I had to start to say, well, I mean, OK, I, I guess somebody's got to like me. <laughs> You know, and it just started to say, well, so I would just encourage you because these narratives that we create are so powerful and they really become our reality. Because when I believe that no one liked me, no one liked me. And the people who did like me, I couldn't even, I couldn't see, I couldn't receive, I couldn't fathom, I couldn't. And then once I started to open up, then I started to discover, wait, there's way, way, way more possibility out here that I've given myself credit for. So I would just encourage I, you. I think you're, you're, you got great advice for people. <laughs> I, I'm a little different. I know my flaws. Like, I, I'm surprised people don't like me. <laughs> I get, but I know what I, I go, oh, maybe it's this. I go, I'm broke. I, um, I'm temperamental. I'm codependent. I'm afraid of the dark. And I, I have a kid and I'm over the hill. <laughs> like, and, then, and then I go, and so in my, and so in my bracket, there's a lot of women who have their shit together. So I don't blame a man for passing, honestly. I got to get my shit together. I need some time alone. So That's not a bad thing to do either is to take some time to be alone, right? Oh, oh no. It, listen, I'm, I'm a, I, first of all, I think being single is amazing. I think that, you know, knowing that when it's a season for you to focus on yourself and honoring that is so powerful. So I am not a person who thinks everybody needs to be in a relationship. I'm not that person. <laughs> okay. I want to be clear. I have always been in a relationship too, by the way. I'm a serial monogamous. This is the first time I've been single for this long. I've never waited this long. It was, isn't that crazy? It's been three months and I've never waited that long. So I would just say you've been in a lot of relationships. You're single now for the first time. You're finding yourself. You're figuring your shit out. I love it. But I just also can't help but push back and just say, you can take that time, but you don't have to add on the story that nobody wants you. I agree. Yes. So let's just consider not... I appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like you can just, you know what I mean? Because this is the thing. This is, this is, this is what is so amazing and powerful about us as humans is that we are so, like, we so want to be right about what we believe that we want to be right about what we believe more than we actually want to be happy. Oh, ouch. (laughs) <laughs> I'm telling you, she changed my life. That that episode she came on with me before. I, that's why, Khalees, I'm like telling you. Listen. You bring, you bringing the bees in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is golden. <laughs> okay, and it's and it's and it's helpful to look at people in your life who are very extreme examples of this because we all have people. You know, you're like this person that it's they got the narrative and it's like everything is a disaster. And yes, everything is a disaster. (laughs) Like that's all they attract. They attract the same things over and over and over again. And looking at people who are very extreme is helpful because we all do it. Right. So I just as when I went from 
okay, boys don't like me to maybe boys like me to like, oh, actually a lot of boys like me to like, oh, I only care about the ones that like me anyway. So like, (laughs) if he doesn't like me, I'm not even interested. Like that was a whole, that was a progression and that reflected in actually my love life. Then it was like, oh, now all, there are all these guys who really like me and they just think I'm... I did have one step, one growth that I, I hadn't experienced within myself before. So um, there was a guy from my jujitsu class that I asked him if he wanted to get a shake sometime. He said, sure. And we like said, okay, how about Wednesday? And then nothing. I didn't hear from him. And I, and I was like, I'm not going to say anything because if this person really wanted to meet up with me, I would hear from them. And then I never heard from them. And then they keep liking my Instagram and they keep following me and they keep being around. And then I was like, you know, I'm quitting jujitsu because I'm too broke now. He's like, oh, really? Oh, no. Well, you want to get that shake? And I, was, I just put a laughing emoji and I just didn't say shit else. I've never done anything like that. I've never not been like, oh, now? Oh, hold on. Let me just get my shit on. Like, I've never not been that desperate. I, this is the first time I, I said, like Marina, I said, this is a clear sign that well, whether I work my stuff out or not, I know that you don't, you're not going to make me feel supported. You're not going to make me feel wanted. And I'm not willing to step into something once I already, you've already established that feeling inside of me. So that's new for me. Marina, are you looking at me? Are you looking? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I am because I want to know what you're about to say. I mean, I kind of know. What do you think I'm going to say? Oh no, what did I do I'm wrong? Gonna, I, oh no, you didn't do anything wrong. It's not, not about you me. never it's do not anything about, wrong. It's not about being wrong. I just know that what she's about to say probably is well, we don't know him yet, and we don't know what his like him saying like I got a clear message of I'm not emotionally ready. Him saying you want to go for that shake may have meant he was busy and now he's like, oh my God. Now's my chance to go out with you. You're leaving. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, but you would think like if I opened the door in the first place and, it, and if you were ever interested, you wouldn't want to let that door shut. At, even if you were, I would want somebody who was nervous to not see me. Not, I don't mean like, you know, psychologically nervous. I just mean like willing to jump on an opportunity to see me. And if you're not, and if you're so casual, then let's casually let it not happen. I'm good. I'm good too. I'm <laughs> like, and now, now I'm not. I'm good. You don't want me. I'm good. So, so that's what you're not ready. You're not ready for the casualness of it, which is clear. Well, I don't know. You were very casual. I mean, I think you were very casual in how you asked, right? I mean, I, w- I would just say, Khalees, I obviously I just I've just met you, but um, I feel the guardedness. <laughs> I feel that. I feel the defensiveness. I feel that defensive energy. And it's not, I'm not- At least I just met you. Bitch, what's your problem? But listen, <laughs> you, don't have, you don't have a problem. First of all, we all, I'm from the Bronx. I know defensive energy, okay? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I was hiding, okay? And I know, because I know how to be defensive, all right? Like- <laughs> I know, I know that energy, right? And I would just say that just based on what, what you are sharing with us, you have a lot of story and you have a lot of belief that um, isn't, is, is disempowering, right? Because you're basically, go, you, you already said, you're like, any guy in five minutes, he's like, nah, not you, right? So you liked this guy, 
So you kind of took a step, but I am sure that you also, it's not like you just dropped all the guard. So you were, it was kind of like, you asked him for, you asked him to go for a shake, but it sounds like, you know, you asked in a very casual way. I have no idea. Obviously, I don't know this man from a can of paint, but I guess my point is that you were very quick to jump to a conclusion that validates what you already believe because you want to be right about what you believe more than you want to be happy because you're a human. I didn't know I was doing that. I'm going to check on that next time. Thank you. That's really, 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 really helpful. It's great advice. And I couldn't have put it that way. Try not to cry in three. (laughs) But if you need need to cry, listen, this is why, this is why I'm at, what I really am always preaching the gospel of is self-compassion. We just have to be kind to ourselves because being human is hard. Have you noticed? Everyone. (laughs) But that's the thing, you know, I do try to apply those principles. I was trying to be compassionate, but like you have to even learn what that even means, what that looks like. I thought I was being compassionate, but maybe I was being compassionate to my fear instead of compassionate to um, my bravery. Like go be brave or that would require bravery from me for somebody to be like that casual. I I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I would just say, and this is just a general, this is just general advice for everybody who's listening is when you know that you get triggered then about, and you know that it's a trigger for you. You know that like you might feel easily rejected or you know that you might feel easily, sl- whatever, whatever we all have our things that trigger us and that, and so you can just kind of prepare yourself. Just be like, you know what? I know that if I feel any kind of, I'm going to have a reaction that's going to shut down, right? And that's what I do because that's how I have protected myself in the past but I'm also ready to do, I'm ready to open myself up and be more courageous because I know that I can handle it. Right. So it's like, it's just being kind to yourself. It's being, so you still have the reaction, you're human, but it's like, there's a moment of like, okay, I feel this way, but let me take a breath. And, <laughs> yes, you know, like, Hey, if he, he brought up that he didn't forget about the shake, he brought it up. You could just put the ball in his court and just say, Hey, Oh my God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he didn't, <laughs> He did a callback. He did a callback. <laughs> you know? And you could have just been like, yeah, you, you know, listen, listen. What a fucking loser. <laughs> no. I'm learning. I'm learning. We're all, we're all learning. It's just life, right? And so, and then you see, so I'm not saying this guy is like super, I have no idea. I'm just saying that from your perspective and like Marina, you know, like with you going on the, on the team, Damn, you're good. Like, you she does. I do. She this does. Is my job. <laughs> this is this is a good. This is why this is a blessing a that we have her today. This is really important. I'm not kidding. Next time I get a job, you're going to get my money. <laughs> this is why we have her on. Everyone should go to Dear Franny. Go ahead, uh, Franny. Um, oh, yeah, Dear Franny, Marina. I love what I love about your story is how much it illustrates mm. just the inherent value of being open and and of dating. Like, it doesn't matter what happens that you, you did it. Just what you were saying about those triggers, right? Like, my trigger is when a guy opens a door for me. I know that sounds crazy, but I am in control of my life. So when a guy opens a door for me or when he's doing all this chivalry shit, I get really angry, actually. When, when a guy tells me, go on the inside... Like, which he did. He was like, he stood on the left side and he made me go on the inside. I was like, if you only knew me and like, and like I had another guy who like, I had a hot flash and I was, had a fan and I, and then he took two menus and started fanning me 
and I the the rage that was in my body <laughs> was real. But I but I took note, and I and I just took a moment, like you said, Franny. I took a moment. I said, "This is your trigger. Just hold on, Marina. He doesn't know what your triggers are. You only know what your triggers are. So just it's okay. This is dating." One oh one. There, he's being a gentleman. This is what he thinks you may like. So just you can be okay with this. This is day one, right? <laughs> yes. So no need to attack the brother and be like, "Look, <laughs> motherfucker, don't open the door. I got the damn door. No need. No need. How for dare that. you fan me? How dare you fan <laughs> me when I am hot? I told him. I said, I if you fan me too much with hot flashes, I'm gonna immediately get. Hold. And I said that in a very gentle way, other than what was in my head. So I have learned like these moments of just like, it's the first day. Go ahead, Khalid. Two, two points of pushback. One, if, if you liked him more, you might have it, like the reason you wouldn't have minded it is the way he would have done it would have been silly for you, charming for you. Like, like he would have known, had the presence of mind to be like, like, I know you can get this, but I'm right here. So don't, you know what I mean? Or if you were more comfortable with this person, he's more compatible. You could make that joke too. You could be like, you could say what you just said to us and then he'd be able to counter. And that's who you are. Do you know what I but mean? But that's like, assuming like on a first date. I don't mean get angry. Yeah, no, I know. I mean make the joke. But I don't think he's not necessarily not right for me. I just think he doesn't know me at all. And on that first date, that's a oh, lot to expect. And I think as women, we go in with too much of he should know who yes. I am. He should be a mind reader. Yes. Right. And he's yeah. not. Mm -hmm. He's just not. So I've got to give some room and I've got to be open. And so that's the moment where I was like, just be open to the chivalry shit. <laughs> just be open. It's day one. Then day two, you could joke about it and say, you know what? Or day three, you could say, hey, by the way, you know, like I can get the door. Or, or Marina, Marina, or you could start to get curious about why is this so triggering to me? That too. Right? Because is it, because is it disrespectful for someone to open a door for you? I hold the door open for people all the time. If I'm going through a door and you're coming or go, like, I'm just going to hold the door because to me that's polite. Right? So I, I understand triggers, you know, if it's, um, I love this expression, the saying, I don't know who came up with it, but if it's hysterical, it's historical. Yes. Ooh, right? I love that. I, I used to get it wrong on the podcast all this time, but that's it. Yes. <laughs> if it's hysterical, it's historical. So the fact that you're triggered by somebody opening the door for you is not actually about that man opening the door for you. That's right. Okay. And it's I not, did think not, about that. Yeah. Right. So I'm glad that you can see that you're, you're starting to have that distance where you're like, wait, let me not go off on him. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> he has not done anything to me. Right. He's just done a very basic, polite thing for me. Right. Um, and and just and just start to I, I would I would I would just spend some time just with some, sitting with some curiosity of like, well, why does that trigger me? What does it make me feel like? What is the assumption? What is the story that I'm telling myself? Do I think that a man opening a door for me means that he doesn't respect me? Does that, do I think it means that he's trying to control me, right? Do I really think that's what that means, right? 
Well, I did know that with the, the that guy was okay with the door. The guy with the fanning with the two menus, that that was a lot. That was like You know what? Dude, I, I you get ain't it. Listening. I'm just here. I, <laughs> I Marina, I would just I would just again, I would ask you to sit with some curiosity with it and I would ask you to also just get curious about what other ways do you resist people receiving receiving from other people? Yes. And I and I did sit with that. That's so good because I had to question myself about even when he held out his hand for me to get up, I was like, I know how to stand, motherfucker. What's wrong with you? <laughs> like it was and it was and I and I had to sit with that and think about it. And I think it's because if I was to really think deep down, it's like I have done so much work on myself on my own that anyone coming into my life has to know and you look, they don't know, right? But I would like to tell them that and have them understand it. Now, I think that takes a while for a man to get because I think like in your 50s, the journey that I've had, they haven't been there for it. They don't know that I had breast cancer and that I did that all by myself. And so that is like, I, I believe that is why it's so triggering. It's, it's like, it's like it has nothing to do with him, it has everything to do with me going do you know how much I've done on my own and you're just showing up? Not his fault, but that's that's my thing, you know, that I have to I have to work on. And like I was like I was telling my friend um, and, and then we'll go into these articles. She was she's looking at me and she's going, oh, my God, you're so inspiring. And I'm learning from watching you. But I've been listening to her and I'm like and she's talking about her trauma. And I go, you're not ready, though. Cause you, you're talking so much that this, whatever guy is going to meet you, he <laughs> can't know all of that trauma you're talking about. <laughs> you're talking about trauma to someone who doesn't even exist yet. Oof. And, uh, she's like, yeah, but I'm, I have, I have P post-traumatic stress syndrome. I go, well, not right. Didn't take a moment for yourself because that you're going to get into a relationship with someone so you're going to put that in your relationship for someone else to deal with. You have to work on it on your own first. So she heard that, but I don't think she really did because she then says, oh, I met someone and I'm not going to tell him my age, my real age. He thinks oh. I'm younger than him. And I said, now you're starting with a lie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there's lots of, yes. And, and, this sounds like definitely an extreme situation. Lying is bad. No one do that. Do not lie to people that you're dating. Also, don't lie on your dating app profile. Some people are like, oh, I have, you know, they they set their age to one age and in, in their profile, they're like, I'm actually five years older. Like, don't do that. Um, <laughs> but I, I would just, okay. What I am picking up <laughs> and... Again, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze you. I know we're not in a coaching session, but... I know, we're female comics. We're loaded. I just... <laughs> <laughs> we're loaded with stuff. We, we, you know, we just have to take a step back and really ask ourselves, what do we think relationships... What, what, what do we think that they are for? How do we think that they operate? Like, what do we think the... Um, 
like, what is your relationship philosophy, right? Like, do you believe, because whatever your relationship philosophy, like, let me give you an example. Like, if you have a relationship philosophy that um, the man is the head of the household and that the woman defers to, defers to the man in, like, major decisions, and that's, like, and that's, that's how you build, a, like, a healthy, safe relationship and family, okay? Some people, that's their relationship philosophy. So, obviously, you're going to date in a certain way. You're going to choose a certain kind of partner. You're going to have certain expectations of the relationship based on that philosophy, right? If you have a relationship philosophy that I need to take care of all of my own shit and I need to have all my shit together and my partner needs to have all their shit together and they need to take care of their own shit. And then we just kind of like come together, but we're not responsible for taking care of each other then that can be your philosophy, but it's also going to lead to a certain kind of a relationship with a certain kind of partner, right? And so I would just really encourage you to not, not think about what's possible, what my pattern is, but what would I love? Like, what is the relationship that I would actually love? Like, not, and not, I want to be with somebody who's X, Y, and Z. Not the person, but the actual relationship, like relationships have dynamics, relationships have values. What is the relationship you want to have with your partner? Because I can tell you that for me, if I were to date somebody who um, wanted to keep everything separate and do everything on their own and be super independent, that, and I'm a very independent person, but that would not work for me because I wouldn't feel safe enough in the relationship. Like we're actually building something together, right? So we can be, we can have our own things going on, but fundamentally like we're in this together and we have each other's back. And in dating, just as you're picking up when you're dating guys and you're like, oh yeah, this guy, he's not ready or this guy's a little selfish or this guy's a little, just as you're picking up on that, they're picking up on that too, right? And men need a safe place for their hearts just as much as women do. Do so, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what would, oh, like. Damn it. I'm gonna write that one down. Men need, because my mom Fucking was like, me, my mom texts me. She goes, they all need a good cook. <laughs> what? <laughs> so again, it's a relationship. Wait, man's heart is a stomach. If, it's a relationship yeah. philosophy. If you believe that what, as a woman, your role is to be a caretaker and to be a good cook and to be, you know, a vixen in the bedroom. And the, if, if that's, if you believe that that's your duty in a relationship and that's what's going to make a man want to be with you, then you're going to operate in a certain way. And you're going to have a certain kind of relationship. I don't judge what people choose, but I also want you to be intentional about what you are, what's the foundation that you're operating from? Because like in the, an example of your friend, obviously, you know, look, she's lying. There's a lot going on there, but we all have trauma right? And there's no finish line of like, okay, now I'm healed enough to be in a relationship, right? Now I have enough money to be in a relationship. Now I have um, the right weight to be in a relationship, right? Now my career is in the right place that now I can be in a relationship. It's like, we are always looking for that sense of certainty, but we have to just step into the uncertainty of life because it's just, it's, there is no certainty. So my point is, um, yes, your friend sounds like she, she needs to you know, <laughs> take a step back. And, but I also am hearing the undertone of like, you know, you went through breast cancer by yourself. So therefore, 
nobody can come in and take care of you. Right. right. I see. Why do those two things? Because you could have the attitude of like, like I do, because I spent, you know, the majority of my adult life single. And now I've become intentional, purposefully incompetent about <laughs> certain things. Because <laughs> I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, I don't have to do that anymore. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, you know how many like curtain rods I've hung? Guess who's not hanging a curtain rod anymore? <laughs> not because I can't do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There is a guy who paints um, and he does, he did my bathroom and I have considered him several times. I'm like, I need that guy in my life. You know what I'm saying? An act of service. You know? <laughs> I yeah, love an act of service. I love an act of service. But half of that is like. The one question I have about that is though, but if you have PTSD coming into the relationship or you're not the weight that you want to love yourself as or whatever the case may be. Sometimes I've noticed people get into that relationship while they're sad or um, before they've lost that weight and then they lose that weight and then, or they're happy and then they don't want to be with the person who was accepting the version of them that started. They don't want it. They, they kind of, I don't evolve out of that emotionally or physically and they feel. If you're unhappy, it's not, if you're, if you're in a very unhappy place, it's not the, it's not an optimal place to get into a relationship from obviously. But my point is just that there's no finish line. It's like, not like now I'm happy enough. It's just, do I have the tools? Like, this is one of the reasons that again, self-love is like what I'm always really talking about because it's like, how can you just develop enough internal tools and knowledge of yourself so that you can navigate, you know, the ups and downs of life? Because if you're like, I'm miserable, but I'm going to get in a relationship to make me happy. It's not going to make you happy. And your partner's also not going to be a happy person because a happy person wouldn't choose you if you're miserable. Okay. So, oh, damn it. <laughs> so you're going to be, well, you will you're have gonna, this audio so you're gonna be too. Two miserable people. <laughs> okay. And if one day you're like, these are such gems. And if one day you're like, oh, I'm actually tired of being miserable. I'm going to get my shit together. Yes, guess what? You're no longer going to be a match for the miserable partner that you chose. Oh, Jesus. And just like sometimes people, I, you know, I know a lot of people and I've worked with a lot of clients in this situation where they get broken up with because they were miserable and their partner found some happiness and was like, I can't do this misery anymore. And then they're like now extra miserable and bitter that this partner left them. But it's like, but what you gotta, you gotta take some responsibility here for how you're showing up because no one is under, and and this is not about, this is never about perfection. You don't have to be perfect in any single thing in life. Thank God, because that's perfection is an illusion, right? Um, Perfection doesn't exist. Um, And you certainly don't have to be perfect to be loved, right? Or to be in a relationship. Thank God, because then no one would be in a relationship. (laughs) Right. So we, so it's not about perfection, but you also have to understand like, why would somebody sign up to a life? Like, and I'm not saying this to, um, like Marina, you know, like if I was somebody who loved you and I, and, and part of how I show my love to you is that I do things for you. And every time I do something for you, you're like, why'd you do that? You think I can't cook my own food? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no matter that how, I would be okay with. No matter how much I love you, I'm not. I, I'm. I'm not interested in that. Like I, I want us to be able to give and receive freely. You know what I'm saying? And so I would just encourage you to think about taking it beyond the things that you know are an obvious trigger, like the door opening. 
where else are you resisting allowing people to do for you? I like that. Thank you. That's my next step. And, and thank you. Are, are you ready now to enter into a phase of your life where you're not doing every single thing yourself? Because guess what? You know, you know, you can do every single thing yourself. You know, you can fight cancer. <laughs> you can support yourself. You can build a career. You can have an amazing life on your own. So you know that you've got you. So now you can be courageous. You can be open-hearted. You can let another person in because you know that like if something were to happen and that relationship were to end, or even, by the way, even if your relationship works out and you're in love forever, one day somebody's going to die, right? So you're always going to have to say goodbye to someone, to everyone that you love. That's That's life, right? And so, but if you think about like, all right, I know that I can handle that. So I'm going to be in the moment, I'm going to be open-hearted because the cost of closing your heart is too great. It's just too great because then now you're living a life where you're like, you tell yourself you're protecting yourself, but really, are you, are you really feeling protected? You know? Um, so life is short and I just want everyone to have the ability to love themselves enough and trust themselves enough to open their hearts and love other people and to let other people love them. Oh, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Now let's go into these articles, but this is so much more, it's so much more. Um, so the articles are just like, kind of like appetizers or I guess, or like desserts to this conversation. Because that one article already kind of covers what you've just said about how they're fighting on, they're they're going back and forth. The internet is split on whether people should date when they're not financially stable. And I think like I did go on a date where I did, this was a date that I didn't know I was on a date <laughs> again. And <laughs> we both looked at each other and we were like, are we, is this a date? And we, and we were like, I think it is. And we both in that moment realized we were on a date. and then the bill came and I was like, should I pay? And he goes, well, not this time. And I was like, what? But um, okay. So now I'm thinking, well, is he okay? This is a writer strike going on. There's an actor strike going on. He's an actor. I'm an actor and a comedian. I do get that people are overall right now struggling. So who am I to judge someone for not being financially stable. However, when you date someone in that moment of the check, like I even saw like a post this morning that was just like so awful and so immature about a woman going to the car window. She asked, the guy goes, hey, would you sleep with me on the first night? And she's like, no. He goes, well, then do you want to split the check? And she says, no. And then he rolls the window up and drives away. And of course, everyone on the internet is going crazy. Is this a random person on the street corner? They filmed it, I guess, to get viral, but it's like, you know, you just see the perspective of them. You don't even see the guy. You just see the window. The girl, she's hot. She comes up to the car. She's ready for the date. Window goes down. He goes, would you sleep? You know, so it's like they filmed it for this. He's like picking her up. That's the conceit of the. Yes. Of the video. Okay. For the date. Got you. Okay. So these are things I, you know, the date, the price, the splitting of the check. Yeah. These are all different. That, these are a lot of different issues getting like kind of conflated sorry. into one, right? Because I'm trying to get in a lot because I know you're expensive. <laughs> it's I'm true. like, how can I get in all these questions? It's true. I am. But, um, <laughs> so oh, there, um, I'm going to delete your name. But, 
no, no, no. Don't delete me. Don't delete me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, kind of. No, no. <laughs> but, um, okay. So in terms of somebody being, whether or not somebody should date and they're broke. I mean, I think that optimally, this, the, the standard that I think you, you should have is that you are able to provide for yourself. Like, are you able to provide for yourself and for your needs? And if you're able to do that, then I say, yes, you're stable enough to date. Now, actually, did you all hear um, that Tiffany Haddish is, uh, is producing and I guess also maybe hosting this reality show about successful single women who are dating homeless men? Oh, no, I did not. <laughs> wow. Yes. They really, is- really found the angle this is this is uh, this is literally true. I I uh, yeah. And um, anyway, so that to me seems so strange on so many levels. I that's triggering. It's it's a little it's a little triggering. It's very strange. Sorry to just throw that on you, but anyway, but um, <laughs> just on the topic, that seems a little strange to me. But as long as you can provide for your basic needs, now splitting the check, this is a different issue because this is this is actually beyond somebody's like financial means. It also gets into people's just philosophies about, you know, relationships and dating and all those sorts of things. So, um, you know, some people have a rule that like they think that everyone should, you should always split and that's how they operate. Some people feel like the person who was the one who asked for the date is the one who should pay. Some people think the person who has the more, the most money is the one who should pay. Some people think that in a, you know, heterodynamic, it should always be the man who pays. I mean, so there's like a lot of layers of, expectation around money and how that plays out in relationships. So that's like a whole rabbit hole discussion, (laughs) but just in terms of like, do you need to be, because if you're, again, what's your relationship philosophy? If you think the man needs to be the provider and the breadwinner, then, then if that's what you believe and that's the kind of relationship you're manifesting, then yeah, you probably shouldn't be dating someone broke, but you also need to ask yourself, why do I believe that? Is that belief rooted in conditioning, patriarchy, a lot of factors that no are no longer relevant? I mean, like, I, like for instance, like I had a client once, a matchmaking client. I don't matchmake anymore. That is very expensive. <laughs> matchmaking is expensive because <laughs> that takes years off of your life. But I had this matchmaking client and she made half a million dollars a year and she only wanted to date men who made um, more than her, Right. And so, and to me, I'm like, I don't care what's on your list. Let's just talk about it. And let's just make sure that it's, that it actually has, like, it, it actually has the importance that you think it does, right? So everything is like, well, why? Well, then that way he won't be intimidated by my success. Okay. Do you think that there are men who make more money than you who would still be intimidated by your success? Yes. Do you think that there are men who make less money than you that wouldn't be intimidated by your success? Maybe. (laughs) I'm like, okay, so if if you know that the real thing is that you just don't want somebody who's intimidated by your success, you can just focus on that rather than using his salary as a proxy for that. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of, and a lot of, I hear, because I work a lot with, mostly with straight women, so... And not to exclude anyone that's just be so heteronormative, that's just whatever. And that's what we are here anyway. Um, but I've heard so many women, you know, say things like this and they, and they, they tie a man paying for them, a man making more money with security. And they say, and they think, well, if he has that and he can provide that way, then I'll be safe and I'll be taken care of. We all know 
there are plenty of men. I just, I just watched this documentary about Steve Jobs the other day. Steve Jobs was like a, he, I don't know if he was a billionaire yet, but he was definitely a hundred millionaire. <laughs> and he had, and his, uh, his, the mother of his oldest child was literally living on welfare and he was paying $500 a month child support. Right. He did not take care of that. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> so if you think somebody having money is going to protect you, how many women have found out to their peril <laughs> that that's not the case? Right. So it's like a lot of these things you just have to start to examine. It's like, well, I assumed that, but is that even true? I'm making relationships decisions based on this, this belief, but maybe this belief isn't even true. <laughs> right. And so that's why I'm like, what's the why? What's the why? What's the why that you don't want to date somebody who doesn't make more money than you? Or that, you know, like just what's the why? What's the why that you want to date somebody who is financially successful, regardless of the, the amount? Like, what's the why? And then see, like, well, is that why actually true? Yeah, because they say here this that they were going back and forth, and one woman said, To some women, you are automatically a good person if you have money not knowing that some men are very poor to the extent that they have nothing except money. Oh, seriously. Yeah. And that is so interesting. And that stood out to me. I was like, yeah, we get so, we, our relationship with money is so, is so complicated because on the one hand we have so many beliefs, like people who have money are greedy and they're bad and da, da, da. But then on the other hand, you're a good person. If you have money, it's like, it's very interesting when it comes to dating, people say that. Um, but it's, uh, have you heard of, um, I think it's pronounced hypergamy or hypergamy. I, I've never heard the word said out loud. Oh yeah, article. I've heard of that, but I don't know what that I is. I thought in an article, so I looked it up. It's when, uh, you only date somebody who has more money than you. Yeah. It's like, it's like the practice of like marrying up, right? Like you always want somebody who has more status and, um, that's how some people operate. And you just have to ask yourself, is this actually leading to the love and the connection and the intimacy and the safety that I want? Or am I telling myself that? <laughs> but yeah, people just have to start to examine where some of these beliefs come from. And there's the probably that, some people out there who just want uh, safety and they don't want love and intimacy and they've accepted that. 100%. Right? There are a lot of people yeah, who, and there are so many people that are very transactional about relationships. And this actually, that's one of the reasons why I stopped matchmaking is because there's a lot of that in that field. Um, and I still get it because I'm in all these match, these groups of matchmakers. And one of the things you have to do as a matchmaker is you have to do a lot of recruiting. And so I'll, I'll get these, I'll see these posts or I'll get an email about from some matchmaker and they're recruiting for a client. Most of their clients are high net worth men. And sometimes these men are like, I want somebody who is between five, five and five, seven, between this weight and this weight, who has this color hair, who has this color eyes, who went to this kind of school. Like they like they're so specific. <laughs> they're just building their perfect woman. And it's honestly <laughs> to me. It's just, it's, it's very transactional and it's just not my jam, but there are a lot of people who do that and I don't judge them. That is their choice. I work with people who actually want authentic, true love and connection. That's what I'm focused on. And a lot of people are um, not dating in a way that that's likely to happen because of what they're prioritizing. Go ahead, Khalees. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Oh, it's Okay. 
Um, I, I want to hear all these things, though. The thing that stood out to me in the article was this, you know, gender expectation. Well, well, not an expectation, but the result of dating a man who has less money than you emasculates him sometimes, makes him feel insecure, makes him not feel like the man of the relationship or, and can't lead a woman, right? So that jumped out to me because that was repetitively throughout the article of why a woman feels like she needs to date somebody who has more money. And I just thought about it after I saw it so many times. I was just like, yeah, yeah. It's emasculating to the man. He can't lead the woman. He doesn't feel great about it. And guess what? That's how women have been feeling the whole time. So if somebody is making more money and it makes you feel emasculated, welcome to being a woman, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, look, you know, there's there's reasons for this historically, right? Like historically, even even if we just start from... I'm, okay, I'll just to be a little nerdy, I'm very, I mean, I'm very nerdy, but the Industrial Revolution happened at the end of the 19th century, and this was really significant for dating. Just like the Agricultural Revolution happened 15,000 years ago, and that's when marriage became the norm, okay? Na- marriage became the norm because now that people were living on farms— and they were stationary. They were no longer roaming around and we were no longer like hunter-gatherers. People were stationary. Now you needed people to work the farm, right? So people, marriage became normal. Having children became normal because it like it was actually like out of necessity. Like now we can nest, now we can build. We're going to breed these people who can work our farm. Now, fast forward to about 120 years ago, the start of the Industrial Revolution, people started moving from farms to cities on their own for the first time to go work in factories. And the assumption was always that any um, any unmarried woman who was working was just was just like looking for a husband. Like she was just biding her time for till she got a husband. And women got paid less than men starting then because it's like, you don't need to support, you just need to support yourself until you get a husband basically, right? And so there was a time and that is like the basis of our dating culture is, are you a man who can provide for me? Because I literally cannot provide for myself for the rest of my life. Like I need a man to do that, right? And so- that is the legacy that we're still living with. But it's now it's different, especially when you're talking about Black women. And there's so many Black women who, you know, we know that um, Black women are earning more money than Black men and are, you know, ha- are better educated than Black men. And, and there's lots of reasons for that. But the reality is that there is still also this in the Black community. There is this, you know, we got to protect Black boys. We got to protect, our, you know, we got to protect Black men. And we tend to put Black men up on a pedestal in our community, just like white people tend to put white women up on a pedestal, like we got to protect white women, black, black people, like we got to protect black men. Right. And so, so there becomes then all that gets mixed up. So then there's like patriarchy and there's, you know, all of these different things. And then, so a lot of black women are like, well, I've been taught to aspire to have this like man, this high status man who can take care of me. But I've also been taught to aspire to be with a black man. So I need a black man who does that. And guess what? If every black woman who makes, you know, whatever amount of money a year wants a black man who makes more than that, there's literally not enough to go around. (laughs) Okay. 
So, and I'm not saying that you can't have that and you can manifest that. Black love is real. People, you know, black couples are getting together every day. Follow black love, by the way, on Instagram. Um, <laughs> you know? Well, Kalise and I have gone definitely outside. We've both de- been of the white. Yeah, I'm back inside. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, and but, by the way, I've had two, uh, the two dates I had were men who were divorced of white women. Oh, interesting. Were they, oh, they were black men? Marina. Black, yeah, I've you gone brought in the back. black male direction. <laughs> um, but if you're like, well, I, but, but, but that's if you care about the money. But if you start to say, well, I care about values. I care about personality. I care about the dynamics between us. Now you're opening it up. Now you're, now you're opening it up to more, more black men. Now you're opening up to non-black men. Now you're opening it up to like, you're getting to the core of what you want versus using these other things as a proxy. Because you think like, oh, if I have a black man who is this tall, we didn't even get into that. Because, you know, he's got to be this tall and make this much money and look like this. Then I'll be safe. Then I'll be cared for. Then I'll be chosen, you know. And so we got to let go of that. I did go with, uh, I want a guy who I can do cruise ships with because I'm about to retire soon. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I love this. I do want to go into the... AI conversation because that's what's happening is is their modern romance falling in love with AI and in this article which is written CNN Jennifer Korn the thing they missed or that you only see in the video is that it costs about nineteen ninety five dollars a week that's expensive Whoa. what do you how do you feel about what's happening with AI and dating apps. I think that um, there's there's reason to a lot of reason to be concerned. <laughs> um, I think that well, what's already happening is that the big apps are starting to use. I mean, they've always, they've already been using AI, okay, but now they're using it to help to quote help daters like make better matches is what they're saying. But they're doing things like you know you can I think on Tinder now you can go, you can let it access your photos and it'll just go through your photo library and like suggest the best photos. And that might seem like, oh, that's hard. That's great. That's really helpful. But it's not, and here's why. (laughs) It's not helpful because like I was saying before, how these platforms, they all have this, um, their incentives are misaligned with the dater's incentives because the dater presumably is like, I'm going on this app because I want to meet somebody and get into a relationship so I can get off this app, right? And the app is like, I need you to be here and I need you to use this app and engage with this app for as long as possible, okay? So by giving users what they, quote, want, um, so the AI is like, oh, we're going to help you get more matches. They're saying better matches, but what they really mean is more matches, okay? So we're going to select the photos that are going to get you the most attention, And so for the user experience, that might feel like, oh, this is a really good app because look, I'm getting all these matches now. I'm, you know, da, da, da. And everybody loves these photos, but they're loving your photos. I mean, the way to get the most attention as a woman on a dating app is to just be as sexy and scantily clad as possible, right? And to look as much, like to look as Instagrammy as possible. So if you want to get the most attention, do that, (laughs) right? But if you actually want to make quality connections, like you shouldn't be aiming to get the most attention. You should be aiming to get the right attention, right? And you shouldn't be presenting yourself in this very generic way 
that's like Instagrammy and to get the most guys to like you. You should be presenting yourself in a very authentic way where somebody who's actually looking for something real can see you and your personality and your energy, right? And not just like, oh my gosh, she's so hot, right? So I think that's the first problem is that the apps are going to give people more tools to, I mean, um, AI, even, and I'm not even getting into the AI augmentation yet, okay? <laughs> even just with the photos that are already in your photo, in your iPhoto or whatever, I think that that's a problem because it's going to select for these very popular photos. It's not going to actually more matches is not going to result in a better outcome. It's just going to result in more matches. So, and then there's also the AI, the filters and the way that um, you can present yourself. The technology is not super, like you said, it's pretty expensive right now, um, but it's going to get more affordable. It's going to get more accessible. Um, and so in terms of like catfishing and scammers, they're going to have a field day because they can create an entire personality that they can, a, a persona that doesn't exist. They can have photos that look like old photos. They can have photos that look like they're doing this. They can have, you know, so AI is really going to give scammers on dating apps amazing access to very convincing ways to, to scam people. Um, oh my God. And eventually even people, it's just going to train people. Like, I don't know, have you, you seen like on Instagram, you, I'm sure you follow people who've been using AI filters and you see them posting these, these images of themselves, right? And they look gorgeous, right? It's like the most gorgeous, glamorous version of yourself. And so when every dating profile looks like that, how is this going to be a useful tool? It's not, right? And so I am like, I don't think that, I, I think even though I know I'm sounding very doom and gloom, people are going to come up with alternatives because this is not going to work. The way that the apps are set up yeah. right now is not going to work in the age of AI. It's just, we're, we're at the tail end of them being effective <laughs> because once the AI becomes ubiquitous and it's, not just the apps using it, but it's the individual users using it in different ways, that's when it's going to get really dicey. I think people will provide a separate service and also use AI to counteract that, to un-AI a picture. You know, it's going to be able to do that too. Seriously, it will be able to do that. And then also, like you can, you can, three things, un-AI a picture, AI scan this, how much AI was on this profile, a separate app that helps scan it for you. And then a separate um, dating site where no AI is AI is blocked like a bot. So just like how that article had that lady on a, a non-vaxxer dating site, there'll be a non-AI dating site for people who don't want to um, meet people who are filtered. So I think it'll be okay. It, it just gotta, we got to just wait for that to catch up. AI is like the oxycotton of the... <laughs> Of the dating app. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I wish I could be that optimistic about it, Khalees. I just I just see um it's not that easy to But jobs it's, are doing it's it. Not, right? It's not that easy to jobs are standing. It's it. not that easy to un-AI images. It's the ones that are very obvious, it is, but I'm talking about like, you know, we don't need to go. This is this is a whole other conversation. But my I guess my point is, and to bring it back to like what we can do about it, <laughs> um, is I think now more than ever, it's important that people have skills and they're not just relying blindly on these platforms for their dating lives, okay? And everything from even just like your intuition. Our intuition is going to be so important in the age of AI. 
Because there's just going to be some things it's like, hmm, right? And, um, you know, and I've already seen the live video fake, the live deep fake technology in action, and it's really alarming. And so when somebody, when you can be- Oh, shit, I didn't think of that. So when you can be on a video with somebody and you're talking to them and da-da-da-da, and you think you're talking to that person <laughs> and it's not that person. Oh, that's scary. Like, that's so, scary. This, so I'm saying, so it's like, it's really something um, that we should not be encouraging on dating platforms. But I think even, even if there is a non, a no AI dating app, even if such a thing could exist or would exist, there are still users who have individual ability to present themselves and to create things that aren't true. I'm so glad we covered that article. I do want to ask you before we go, because we're we're almost out of time, about the 12 dating green flags that you suggest, because we do always talk about red flags. So why don't we put it in a positive spin? And I think that's a good way of doing it. So you say the 12 dating green flags. Do you want to go down the list? No, you, or go, I, or you do I? it. You do it. Okay. So <laughs> one, respect and kindness. That's a green flag. Two, consistency. Three, proactivity. Four, good communication. Five, align compatible values, which we've talked about here. Do you know what your values are? That's important. Six, enthusiasm. I'm here. <laughs> seven, seven stood out to me because that was the second date I went on. No love bombing. I got love bombed. Now, Khalees, do you know what love bombing is? Yes, it's how I communicate. <laughs> but I don't stop. I don't stop. So maybe, I don't know. I, I love bomb for sure. I, I, you know, I throw everything at people forever. Yeah, I got love bombed. I got like, we're going to go travel together. Um, you were right here in front of me the whole time. I was instantly a part of the family. Oh, I don't do that. Oh, that's what you're that's, talking about. That's, oh that's what no, I'm talking no, about. No, it was no, a no, lot. No. It was it was it was it was too much. Just, it, oh, just putting you in their life and uh, like, uh, you're gonna make me you. a better oh, no, no, person. No. They said oh, oh, you're no, gonna no, fix no. my life. Mm-mm. I got that's manipulation. That's pure manipulation. These are yeah. So I got love bombs. So no love bombing. And I and right away I was like I and I like this person. I was attracted to him, and I was like, nope, Marina, nope, 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 no. I no. love bombing was like, was like an um, acts of like doing acts of love too soon before you've actually committed to the person. And then once you find out you don't like them, you kind of yoink yourself out of the situation. And then they go, wait, I thought you loved me because you were showing so much love. I don't know how to like be interested in somebody without showing a lot of love. So I got to work on that myself. Yeah. Love bombing is, is like, it's, it's like Marina is describing, like you meet someone and this is something actually you need to especially be mindful of online because this is how scammers scam people is by love bombing with like attention and over the top like declarations of affection and you're the one and I can't, you know, like all that. I can't believe you were here all the time. I've been waiting my whole life for you. You're so beautiful. You're so amazing. Um, I, I want to take you here. I want to take you there. I can't wait for you to meet my family. Like just over the top, over the top, over the top. And you're like, hi, by the way, my name is Francesca. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because it's like, wait, what? Here's a story. My last story, and then as I had a guy, the third date that I didn't know was a date was the guy who. You got to 
I three was, dates without knowing you were dating this guy? Your no, no, this was the third, this was the oh, third oh, okay, date sorry. I went on. And this Got was you. the first, I was sitting with him. And I was like, I think this is a date. <laughs> and I was like, um, he, I wasn't, he wanted to take photos of me and I, he's a good photographer, whatever. But I, he, I sensed some love bombing sort of going on. Cause I said, I'm, I'm going to pass on the photos cause I'm not feeling well. I need some rest. And then he goes, how's the rest? Like hours later, he's like, how's the rest going? <laughs> then the next, <laughs> then I was like, it's good. Then the next day yeah. I got, you still resting? I, and I oh, said, yeah, listen, I'm, you know, I need sleep. And he goes, I could bring you some tea. He did an audio. I could bring some tea and stuff. He goes, how's that rest going again? I go, listen, oh, wow. I'm, I need to cut off communication right now. <laughs> Because I need the rest. <laughs> I cut that because I, I, this, this, that's a whole other podcast about how women, yeah. we, we're too nice and kind yes, and commune and, um, and, and go I, along with the over communication. Yeah. Yeah. I mm -hmm. said, we, I need to cut this communication off right now. So, boundaries. So, anyway, so no that's love. number eight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They respect your boundaries. Yeah. They were. Yeah, he was not respecting my boundaries. And this was also the one who fanned me. That was, the, you know, oh. you, you, and number nine, you feel at ease with them. Number 10, they take personal accountability. Number 11, they can articulate their love goals. 12, they love themselves. Is there anything that you would add, Galise? Oh, about a green flag? Mm-hmm. Because they love themselves. That, that, that caught me off guard. Um, <laughs> let's see. A green, a green flag for dating someone? Oh, Lord. Let me, give me a second. Because I, I don't date. I don't even know how to do it. Nobody dates me. I think asking so the I right asking me questions, I would add. Oh, like, yes. Is that one. part of... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I would put that in enthusiasm. Like, they actually enthusiasm. care about getting to know you, like they care about, they're enthusiastic about getting to know you, who you are, moving the relationship forward with you. Um, yeah. They don't live with their mama? No. <laughs> no, it's a great list. And I just, I, I think yeah. we'll leave it there. I, I just think it's such a great one because I think we are so focused on the negative sometimes with the red flags that by making it green flags, it just puts it in a more positive spin and it, opens you up more so uh, i want to thank you so much dear franny for being here today you, it's, you have helped me so much and i know my listeners are definitely going to learn so much and it's going to help on their course of dating i hope you listen to it and i hope you share it with a friend um, dear Franny, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Sure. I am. Thank you, by the way. That was so lovely. Uh, you're so lovely. Um, it's true. It is true. Um, <laughs> people can reach. I'm at dear Franny. As we all know, I have a podcast called dear Franny. I'm at dear Franny on the socials. If you want to read about those 12 dating green flags, you can see them on my Instagram. I also have a membership community called the true love society. And I have a free tier of membership, free community tier for women. So you can go to thetruelovesociety.com and just request to join. You have to answer a few questions. And um, yeah. And with friends like us, you'll never need to hire a matchmaker because we've got your back. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> bow, bow, bow.
You can find me on Instagram, C-A-L-I-S-E Hawkins. And um, I do a show with Phoebe Robinson on the second Monday of every month. The next one is September 11th at Union Hall at 7.30 p.m. We have Rafi Bastos, Dina Hashem, and we have Asha Ward. So it's going to be a really amazing show. We do new material. And I I feel like <laughs> this, my friends like us quote is going to, it feel, I feel like it, it's a condemnation, but something that I'm excited to pay attention to. And it's something that Franny said, that's, you know, I've never taken somebody else's words for friends like us quote, right? So this is major for me. <laughs> With friends like us, men don't need a, wait, wait, no, they do. Men need a safe, I can't even do it. <laughs> men need a safe place for their heart, just like women do. Like that's so mind blowing that maybe I haven't felt like a safe place for a man's heart. And I get that. That's, it's so convicting, not condemning. Like in church, when you feel convicted, it's convicting. I go, I need to come to the altar. <laughs> I need to bring my heart to this altar and make yes. sure it feels safe for a man. My God. You got this. Oh, oh I you love that. I'm so, yes, you both so... reminded me of why I keep doing the podcast every Monday. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. And with friends like us... We will help our friends <laughs> to find love. Yes. Because the world would be a okay. better place if everyone had it. So let's do our parts for everyone. And what ourselves. the world needs now is love. Check, Check us out. out.